You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. I'm back, back in the New York Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Cranky? Hey, Grump! Exciting! Football season's getting closer and closer, and it really felt like it this weekend. Uh, actually got to, uh, you know, go out to the Meadowlands, go watch some real football, see some old friends. Uh, I feel like it's really getting close now. It's really getting real. Yeah, it was a little warm to feel totally real but it it this was nice i'm glad we did this because uh we were a little out of form at first um we had to kind of get our bearings there we we weren't really prepared how we were even getting to the stadium you know this was <laughs> it was good we ironed out all the issues or whatever um and we got there nice and early and enjoyed a nice uh sunshiny tailgate yeah uh, before the actually, game got to see a bunch of the guys it was a lot of fun yeah it was great you know the whole weekend was all about kind of getting back to our roots and getting back to old friends and old giant fans. Uh, Friday, Saturday night, I went out to dinner with uh, the guys in our uh, 124 crew, the guys we sit with. Uh, shout out to Ron and, and Bruce and Gary. And uh, thanks to Gary for a super cool cup, which you can't see because of my background. But I will now be sipping out of my tea with this new nice new cup he gave me. But uh, a lot of fun seeing those guys. And uh, our L16 tailgating crew yesterday it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah, they they certainly showed up as they always do. Um, they were ready to party, you know. Wes, <laughs> Nick, um, Will, everybody, Justin. I, I mean, I can't even. I was drinking, so they're all gonna blend together for me there. But, uh, <laughs> um, but everybody came out in full force. Um, we were ready to party, have fun. Well, that's the real thing about this is you know we can watch this team to the cows come home, wins and losses. But you know we've made a lot of really great friends, you know, doing this podcast, going to games, tailgating, you know, all of that. So it's, uh, it's no longer just a thing where you just go into the game. Now we, we have a bunch of uh, cool people we hang out with and talk giants with and, you know, listen to the same song over and over for an hour in the tailgate. It's been great. So thanks, Max. We appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for the hospitality. <laughs> and <laughs> and the, the worst DJ of all time plays the same song over and over again, or does he? I mean, I guess, you know, I was fired up. Yeah, I mean, if it's if it's if we're just going with WWE music, uh, it'll <laughs> it'll get you going. Um, but uh, yeah, all right. So the real story from this game, though, honestly, as all preseason activities are, is the injuries, and uh, there was a little bit of everything in this one. There was the big scare, there was the big one, and then there was the key player that's out for who knows long, right? So the big scare, obviously, was Kayvon Thibodeau. Kind of got. Uh, hit on the side of the knee, leg kind of buckled real awkwardly, looked bad, didn't get up. They called for the cart really quickly, um, but he waved it off, walked off under his own power, never really left the sideline. He kind of went in that like side coach's entrance thing there, that fake mm-hmm. thing, um, but he never really left. Today we got the news. It looks like it's going to be an MCL sprain, a three- to four-week thing, um, which would put him close to the start of the season but in what capacity are we going to be seeing this rookie you know this year on a sprained mcl i mean are they better off just waiting a little bit longer for him give him like six weeks or something like that 
What do you think? I think you play him when he's ready. There's no reason to rush him out. I, I And I get it that, you know, if we're holding on to any sort of pipe dreams of making the playoffs, you don't want to blow games like Tennessee and, you know, and Carolina early. But look, this is the beginning of a potential franchise defensive player's career. You know, we don't want to have this whole season be a waste. I've, I've, I've had too many seasons in all of my sports where a guy isn't fully healthy and he's hampered. He doesn't play up to his abilities and it just an injury lingers on and on and on. So to me, I wouldn't have him on the field until he is ready to go. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering that myself. I mean, you know, when we're still walking along on the sideline there, I kind of jokingly said, I was like, well, that's it for him for the rest of the preseason. I mean, that, that was going without saying, but mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is, is yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, I think if, if he thinks he's ready, I'm still waiting like another week or two because that's generally the player is, thinks they're 100% before they're 100%. Well, let's remember also he thinks he's ready. He's a 21-year-old rookie. Yeah. I mean, it's one thing if it's a guy who's been in the league for several years, he's 28 years old, been in the league for five, six years, knows his body better than Kayvon Thibodeau does. Like his body is a new – he now is starting to develop an NFL body, a different way you work out, nutrition, all of these things. So – just because he's like, yeah, 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 I'm good to go. I'm feeling it. That doesn't mean anything. I, I, we have better doctors now, better physicians, better everything, who will make the right decision whether he's ready to go out there or not. And again, you know, if this was a playoff team, if this was a Super Bowl contending team, he was a little older. Yeah, my my calculus might be a little different getting him out there. But a nowhere team this year with a guy who's just beginning his career. Let's start off right. And if that sacrifice is a win or two early this year or or early reps, so be it. Yeah, 100%. All right. Glad we're on the same page with that one. I mean, like you said, this is this is the potential quarterback for the defense, the face of the franchise, the defensive end, the sack leader, mm-hmm. the next Lawrence Taylor, Michael Strahan, Jason Pierre-Paul, Justin Tuck. <laughs> you know, any any however you want to phrase it, the next version of that in some capacity. And forcing him out there in in a season where you know and we'll get to this in a a little bit i guess as we go through the uh what we saw out there but just a season that you know it's a pipe dream for them to even make the playoffs let alone make any sort of run for anything significant it's just the long-term health of this player is far more important than than uh, a week one win against tennessee or or week two win against carolina or whatever and and i I, I don't know do we even need that for the eh, whatever um <laughs> so the uh, the the big one though, Darian Beavers is out for the season. Tore his ACL um, on kind of like a a pile up running play. Just kind of tried to brace himself. Knee buckled. Um, you know, it's, it's still somebody trying to attribute this one to the turf. Uh, I don't know yeah, about can we, that. Can we, can we take thirty seconds about that, please, because that we, was the overarching right. theme last night. Turf, oh, was it? Turf. All right, all right, all right, all right. Then before you get into it, and I'll let you take the floor, but I'm just gonna hit hit with this as yeah. as a blanket disclaimer while we talk about this for five minutes. I don't want this to be a huge thing, but no. I am not a scientist. I don't know shit about turf, different kinds of turf, grass. I don't know the difference. What I do know is when people make wild assertions without really um, thinking. Uh, like saying a collective number of injuries happened to a team that plays on turf is not science, okay? Those injuries have to happen on the field for starters, which a lot of them didn't. Some happened on the practice field for quests over the course of several seasons may have happened on other teams' fields. They also have to be 
the nature of injury has to be in some way related to the turf. So you can't be selecting all manner of injuries. Concussions, for example, have nothing to do with turf. Even if you're smacking your head on the ground, I don't want to count it. As far as I'm concerned, that could happen on frozen dirt anyway. So, I mean, there's a lot of... When people talk about this, there's just a lot of bullshit thrown, and I just want to cut through that with those kind of things that drive me crazy. I don't know. There could be a turf thing here. Just going to say that. Your turn. Go ahead. Yeah, you took 95% of what I was going to say. You're right on. The other two things I'll add is this particular turf was installed in 2020. So I don't want to keep hearing this, oh, for the last 10 years, the Giants are the most injured team in the league. This turf, this is the beginning of the third season we've had with this turf. So let's let's just parse our facts into the, the right time frames. Why do the Giants have so many injuries over the past decade? I mean, we'd have to get a doctor in here or a physician or a therapist or a, a medical guy. You know, sometimes it's just bad luck, and this team has had a pretty bad string of bad luck. But, you know, again, enough with the turf. And also, if the turf was that bad, don't you think the Players Association would have stepped in and said, we can't play on this? I mean, they've done it for, like, the Hall of Fame game in Canton. They've canceled games because the turf wasn't right. They've had, you know, in Chicago last week, just because it looked bad because of that um there was a concert at Soldier Field, and even though it was all blotchy, people were complaining. So if it really is an issue, I can guarantee you the first people who are to complain about it are the players and the league and, and, and the union. You, know, I, 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 you hear some of these coaches last year chirping. I think it was the 49ers coaches whining about it. That sounded like sour grapes. You know, it's unfortunate injuries happen, but they do happen. It's, it's a dangerous game. And... You've seen other stadiums where they tried to play two teams in the same stadium. You know, and down in Tampa, the Bucks and USF play there. In Pittsburgh, you know, the Steelers and Pitt plays there. And those fields are awful by November, December. They have to resod them. They, they're just as dangerous as not as dangerous. So we have to use turf in this for having two NFL teams and all the other events that are going on. So. And for all of you armchair doctors who, you know, probably the same ones who thought Kayvon Thibodeau's career was over when the cart was coming out, stop with the, you know, your, oh, it's the turf is bad here. The mares are cheap, blah, 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 blah. And just maybe do a little research to see what's the cause of these injuries and why they're happening. Yeah, I, I'm I'm open to the idea that there's an issue with maybe the particular brand of turf or, or the type of turf. I don't know if there's different types around the there's, league. I don't there's know. There's different types. But again, this one was installed or purchased for the first time in 2020. So, and it's also used, I think, in four or five other stadiums around the league, this, you know, version of... Yeah, you know, see, those are, those are all factors that I'd see. I don't know any of that because I don't pay attention or care. So that's why right. I, I never felt, like, co- totally comfortable, like, giving an opinion because, like, I don't know enough. But, uh yeah. I, mean, I, I, I just I feel like there might be a real issue with it, but it's just there's so much bullshit flung around and, and just half cocked things said about it that it just waters down that shit so much that it becomes. My, but also my understanding is that some players prefer the turf, which might be why the players association doesn't say anything is because like maybe skill position players, people who need to cut harder, they prefer that over the grass because they they think they can perform better on it. I think is something I've heard before. I, I might be making that up. My though. my thought is if you don't like the mares, this is another thing you're using to say, you know, why you don't like the mares. That's you know, the most vocal people are this. Let's check their timelines and see how much 
venom they had at the Bears after last year. But I think another thing too is, and I, I think this is the last thing I'm going to say about it. But another thing is, it's just another excuse—not uh, excuse, but just like just another thing you can just say. Like if, if if only this thing were fixed, we could have been better. Because it's just another way of saying like if only we weren't so injured. We could have been a good team last year. It's mm-hmm. kind of like saying, like, well, if only we weren't playing on the stupid turf, everything would have been better. It's just like another, it's just another pining for like just yeah. the suffering. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's just it's all just a, a, right. a symptom of suffering. Um, yep. Yep. Is, is complaining about the. Uh, but the one the thing turf. about the injuries, though, forget the turf. You know, I believe I saw the thing last night where of this draft class. Just about everybody's hurt now has some sort of injury. <laughs> yeah. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Well, Tibbs and Beavers were two of them. DJ Davidson, I don't even know what the nature of his injury was. Uh, he, he got hurt in the game like super late. He was actually playing pretty decently. Um, I didn't see – I was looking through Twitter this morning. I didn't see anyone mention it, but I also didn't ask. So um, there's that. Graham Gano also got kind of kicked in the face attempting to make a tackle on – a kickoff that was nearly returned for a touchdown saved by Cam Brown. Uh, mm-hmm. Now he's day-to-day, and that's the last of the trifecta right there. That's the star player. Star player, but he's like he's a the, probably the highest scorer on the team, and now he's got a concussion, so it's a day-to-day injury. He's just got to pass the protocol. Right. Uh, I mean, which sucks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was kind of a clown show watching you know, a punter trying to kick extra points and things, and that could... Again, we don't have high hopes for this year, but the games we have a chance to win, we don't want to have it come down to not having a kicker. I mean, I'm sure. I gotta, I gotta say, what overall this was again now the second preseason game that looked fairly organized for the Giants. There were not a lot of stupid penalties, etc. Uh, there was excessive amounts of defensive pass interference in the, in the second half with like the super duper backups. But yeah. overall, but no, no headache mistakes or whatever. But this was having having guy who was just signed to play tackle play center and try and snap to davis webb <laughs> in, in this game at the same time we were having punters kick extra points uh safeties playing holder for the first time on those plays it looked eerily similar to the clown show of jake Fromm playing quarterback last year it, it just shows to the lack of depth this team has overall. We are even in these situations. And I get it. It's preseason. Things are a little wonky. You might have different you know, lineups and things. But still, <laughs> something as basic as snapping ball, kicking ball, and you're getting non-professionals doing it is pretty frightening. But go back to your other point, though. That was my number one takeaway as I look at my notes here is that my big takeaway from this game was this team looks like a ton more organized than they did at this point last year. Um, you know, didn't see many guys lined up in the wrong place. Didn't see a lot of, you know, miscommunications. Didn't see, you know, the unforced penalties, things like false starts or delayed games or anything. I thought it was this team, you know, looks like they're getting prepared to play a regular season and not just running through drills like it's the middle of August. So I'm, I was pretty pleased with that. That's my biggest, you know, if if number one is stay healthy, which we didn't do a very good job, number two is look organized. And that one I'll give a passing. I'll definitely give that one a star. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, let's let's talk offense here. Uh, Mm -hmm. We're going to focus on quarterbacks, but just overall the offense, it's not going to look great this year. Uh, I mean, I know 
that there was some backups playing here, and it's you know it was just the center and the left guard, uh, you know. But I, and I understand that they're like the third string of those versions. Like we weren't playing with the actual backups. Mm-hmm. I just you know, I, I'm not going to expect a a big leap to happen in the next couple of weeks. So I think this is what the offense is generally going to look like um, for the first couple of weeks. Was not terrible. Um, was nothing really spectacular, but was functional, was moving the ball pretty well. Um, Daniel Jones. Let's talk quarterbacks here. Daniel Jones went 14 of 16 for 116 yards. Uh, the two incompletions were a pick, deflection interception, uh, and a, I, I don't I don't want to call it a drop, but it was like a, a contested catch 50-50 ball down the sideline to David Sills. Mm-hmm. Um Overall, I thought DJ looked pretty good. Uh, you know, the the pick I don't think is his fault. It is a dangerous pass, though. Uh, just glance off the hands; it be, it's going to be in the middle of the field. Uh, Bellinger has to make that catch, but yeah, I don't know. I don't really. I'm not going to put that. It's a wash. Um, the first throw of the game for him, I think maybe there might have been a better decision out to the flat. It was a third down play, uh, I think. But either way, there it was a short situation. They're just trying to pick up the first down. If we're at the point now with Daniel Jones where our critiques are not that he didn't get the first down, but maybe there was a better option, I'm that that in and of itself is a massive improvement. Oh, sure. I mean, we're going away from the making a bad decision, which turns into a turnover or losing yards on a play to, oh, he didn't see, you know, the open guy for more yardage. And that is a that's an important leap where that's something you can work with and you can keep developing. If you're stuck on year four and year five talking about, well, you know, that was a poor decision. He didn't see that corner coming in or didn't see the the, the, the blitzing guy behind him and made a dumb decision, which resulted in a turnover, you know, then it's, it's kind of hopeless, but we've, we've advanced again, small sample size and it's preseason, but exactly to your point. Now we're starting to, we're questioning decision and it, we starting to question those decisions are getting a little nitpicky also, which maybe is good that we should be progressing to that at this point. So uh, that's kind uh, of what uh, I signed up for when I did this was to start nitpicking stuff, not doing the, <laughs> the general obvious, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, you're right. I, um, I think this offense this year is going to be, you know, probably more than we want to see, but it's going to take what this defenses will give this team, you know, they're, you know, we don't have any real outside threats that are gonna, you know, open up this offense and, and put the top, take the top off it. So there's gonna be a lot of checkdown stuff probably this year, quite a bit. You better be good at it. You better make those smart decisions to a prevent catastrophe first, and then we can see what we could do later. So he's he's getting there. I think he he was uh, he was fine. Yeah, I mean, I just. For this game, I would have hoped that they were further along than this. This is kind of where I would ex- was hoping they would be closer to the start of camp. It's not. It is what it is. Uh, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna complain. I just. I understand the realities of what is, and you know, the reality is Daniel Jones is probably not back here next year. But the reality is also that as a starting quarterback, there is no doubt who the better quarterback is. Oh. Terod Taylor went seven eleven for thirty seven yards. And he looked bad doing it. I mean, he was running away from pressure that wasn't really there. Um, you know, forcing stuff. Some throws, I'm not even sure which receiver he's throwing. He's throwing right in between the two of them. 
the throw right before the half. I believe you found a tweet right when it happened. It was if Daniel Jones threw that throw in the dirt the same way Terod Taylor did right before the half, the Twitterverse would be roasting. Oh my him. God! Yeah, it was brutal. It was about seven yards short, and you know, I, I don't know what he was doing with that. I think people, you know, are everybody's in cliche mode right now. And the big cliche last week was Tyrod Taylor looks more comfortable in the pocket, and just because you're you know, you can avoid trouble. That doesn't mean you look comfortable in the pocket. If anything, you're getting out of the pocket earlier than you probably should. And he looks like a guy that, to me, the more you watch him, is a, I'm going to run the ball before I try to make a play with my arm. And that's not what I want with my starting quarterback, if it ever comes down to a quote-unquote competition between the two. So I think it just cements my belief in why he's here, what his value is, and... I am happy that he's our backup quarterback. I would feel I'd feel a okay if he has to come in and play a half, a game, two games. But any thought really of any serious competition of who should be starting this, it, you know, it, it's very obvious to me that Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones might be Joe Montana, but he's not Tyrod Taylor either. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's perfect. It's it perfectly explained. I would say the only thing is I don't think Taylor is looking to run the ball before pass, but his panic and getting outside of the pocket, his his need to, I guess, or maybe his inability to trust or or stay That's in the it. pocket or, or whatever it. it is, whatever whenever he goes outside the pocket, he's doing he's always in like survival mode, always because maybe because of backup mentality or whatever it is. But whenever you move outside of the pocket like that and you just roll to one side, doesn't matter which side it is. You're limiting now to half the field of what you can and can't do. And it puts himself in a shittier situation, and he does it way too often. Who was that backup quarterback that we had from Syracuse? We drafted who's here for a couple of years. Ryan Nassib? Ryan Nassib used to do that all the time. Like, he'd be back in the pocket, won 1,000, and then he would just start moving around. Like, yeah. unnecessarily. No one was there, but he felt the need to kind of get out of the pocket. And then forget it. Your accuracy goes way down. Your vision for the whole field goes down. And uh, he's not as bad as Nassif. I mean, this guy's got a lot more experience. No, but... no. Teron Taylor is a good backup quarterback. It's yes. just he is not in any way a starter. And it's so painfully obvious. I mean, what he does out there, he does survive. He does live for the next down. He can mm -hmm. move the ball downfield well enough to score some points. But he's never really pushing the ball. And when he does, you can that's see the, the deficiencies. That's the quarterback. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I was, I was fully on board with signing him. He was my favorite backup quarterback mm -hmm. to sign. It's just, to me, it was a no-brainer. But these things kind of annoy me. He comes out there for the first series and half the crowd is cheering. Like, come on. You yeah. guys are outside of your mind. You don't want this. Trust me. Yes, it can get worse, uh, as we <laughs> saw last year. Exactly. Um, offensively, I think the only other thing I really want to – I mean, I, I want to mention that I think Devery Hamilton might actually be a legit depth piece. Now, practice squad player last year looked like he stepped in at left guard in the in the starting role there and was routinely handling – I mean, uh, uh, now again – Bengals backups, but if you're routinely handling Bengals backups, then that is pretty much the definition of being quality depth, right? I feel like the whole backup offensive line wasn't that bad either. I, was, I saw a stat uh, there's only like three quarterback pressures coming from that backup offensive line. That's well, it wasn't, a, it wasn't I mean, it wasn't fully backup. You still had Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, and no, Mark No, 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 when the backups were playing later the on. Full in, oh, alright. Yeah, yeah. 
so, I mean, I think they were just kind of getting the ball out quick at that point, though. Maybe I'm wrong. That's okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean, um, baby steps with, with this offensive line. Um, Bellinger dropping that pass, you know, to me, that's, you know, you want to have a little more confidence in a guy because he's basically given the uh, the starting tight end job because of, there's really nobody else. You like to have a little more confidence that, uh, you know, a little better hands. But again, just one pass. I'm not going to make any judgments, but, you know. Just going through the Evan Ingrid experiment for the last several years. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's like what it is. A little better that your tight end could, you know, is much more of a sure thing. I, I understand completely. You don't want to roast the guy because it's just one thing, but but you maybe maybe wait a couple of weeks before you look like Evan Ingram out there. Give give yeah. us uh, some time, please. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, though, I do want to really briefly go over some of the backup wide receivers here. Keelan Doss had a nice catch. He's not going to stick with the team, I don't think. Um, but you know, whatever. Uh, Colin Johnson, I think, had a pretty decent game. Richie James, unfortunately, was stuck with Terod Taylor, who airmailed a pass to him when he was <laughs> wide open uh, and yeah. allowed the corner to close on him. Alex Bachman looked like an MVP last night. He was insane. Um, you know, I don't know if he sticks with this team. Somebody described him as just another one of those guys that looks like the Patriots had him and and just would like tear up the league with him. He does kind of mm-hmm. look like that, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, CJ Board continued to look shitty. Uh, he fumbled a kickoff. Pretty yeah. much, I uh, can't do that. Um, if but, you're saying you're making this roster because of your special teams play and you fumble a kickoff, that's <gasps> bad. yeah, that's that's no good. David Sills, I want to talk about because he did have some good plays. He went in there with some of the ones, kind of. Daniel Jones was throwing to him a little bit there. He mm-hmm. had a nice back shoulder catch among a slant and I think maybe one other one. Uh, but importantly, he kind of lined up in an H position all around the goal line there on the for, on the touchdown. Um, and when he did, he lined up there twice, and he had a pretty decent block both times. The second time helping pave the way for Jason Corbin's touchdown. Interesting only because he is a really tall wide receiver, and previously our starting H back role was handled by former wide receiver from Maine, who was like six four, Andre Miller, before he broke his arm. Mm-hmm. So David Sills might actually find a way onto this roster if he can maybe do that. I don't know. That's an interesting thing. I'd be interested to see that because there is literally no H-back depth whatsoever. We have it, only tight ends here with Bellinger and Myrick. Where was uh, Kenny Galladay and Darius Slayton last night? Kenny Galladay played. He got no targets. Darius Slayton was a uh, – was, he was declared out, I believe, injured, but I don't know the nature yet. I mean – Again, Kenny Galladay got a lot of heat last week for that one, you know, not really laying out for that ball in the red zone, and then not even having a target. That's that still kind of concerns me a little bit. It I mean, should. We're trying to develop chemistry. He is supposed to be wide receiver one on this team, and they're not even looking at him in in the limited amount of play that we're getting, you know, from the starters in in preseason. It's just the red flags are just all over the place. I think it's I think it's fair as a fan to be uh, worried by now. Uh, gets paid a lot of money. It's a huge chunk. There's a reason why we don't have a corner on this team is because we had money allocated to him mm-hmm. instead of where else we could have it. I mean, if you had to trade right up, straight up right now, I mean, it wasn't it was not feasible based on the way the contract was. But if you had to choose between losing Kenny Galladay for this year and all the way forward, or having James Bradbury for one more year. <laughs> That's not even a, a debate. It, there you go. So, um, with that, 
let's transition over to the defensive side. I don't have much to say. Um, but overall, I can say now that I've seen it with my own eyes and I didn't just watch it on TV and I saw it in game action, I just really like the design. I love this style of defense. I love the way it plays. I like that it doesn't sit on its heels. It mm-hmm. it dictates to the offense. Whatever the offense's plan is, they have to adjust based on what we're showing them. Mm-hmm. Too bad. This is what we're doing. And I like that. It's not going to pay dividends this year. They're not good enough on the back end probably. But I it's I would rather die going for it than, than I don't know, just sit back and have the whole game chipped away at me piece by piece. You know, like like last right. year, every time we had a, a small lead with a little bit of time left, it was almost a guarantee that they were going to score. Well, I think, again, if you're building this team over the long haul and you're expecting this coaching staff to be here over a couple of years, it's time to start implementing this defense now. I mean, some of these guys are going to be here. Some of these guys are actual keepers, you know. So it's like if we don't have the the, the best personnel, especially on the back end, to execute it, at least we're building the foundation for this team for next year. You know, we're not transitioning into something that we wanted to be, you know, then. So I'm, again, I'm using this year as a complete gimme. Let's install things that we want to do. You know, if we don't have the, the proper personnel for some of it, that's okay. But um, I agree with you. I like that this is a, a defense. It's, you have to... You can't come in here as an offense and do what you want, and we're reacting to it. You're going to have to really game plan and consider this defense, and that's something that uh, you know should help us going forward this year to offset the, uh, the the talent issues we have and the lack of depth in certain places. It really sucks that uh, they don't have a. I mean, this is going to sound shitty. I don't, I don't want to sound shitty, but it sucks that they don't have another like number one you know, man cover corner to play opposite of Dory Jackson because otherwise I really liked the way that Darnay Holmes was playing. He was really feisty. He was really active. Um, maybe a little grabby during this game, but, you know, I thought he had a fairly good game. Uh, he looked like a spark plug out there. And I think Aaron Robinson playing on the inside, again, is that's where his strong suit is. I like him in in this defense even. I like him, the idea of him coming in on blitzes from the slot. I think that's great. I think you can do all kinds of fun stuff with him. But because we don't have that outside corner, Aaron Robinson is now – now Aaron Robinson is going to get the ire of financial mismanagement from years before where it's misdirected mm-hmm. entirely. Aaron Robinson, I, even when he was drafted, I said – could be an outside corner, but I like him better on the inside. Mm-hmm. And now he's just going to get the brunt of all of it because he's kind of playing somewhat out of position here. Um, it sucks because I think that this defense could be way further ahead than they are if they just had that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's even you know with Julian Love playing the other safety spot. And Andrew Adams signed off the scrap heap, although I, I like Andrew Adams. And, and just a fairly weak linebacker group in general. But even so, I, I think... The defense doesn't look bad to me. I would like a little bit more pressure, but I thought they looked pretty good. Well, I mean, again, let's see Thibodeau play a full game. <laughs> let's see him not get hurt. But uh, Leonard Williams didn't. Leonard play, Williams by the way. wasn't. You know, so again, you're asking for first team play from guys that are second team guys. Let's see ones first ones and what happens. And I still think that that cornerback is playing on another team right now. I think we're gonna. We're going to pick up somebody during cutdown day that's going to help back there. I think so too. I mean, once you, once you saw 
I mean, honestly, once once Aaron Robinson and Dory Jackson come out of the game, it there might be like they're awful. <laughs> one guy maybe that can stick around. I'm not even mm-hmm. sure who it is. Um, you know that that of course not talking about the guys who are hurt like Cordell Flott, Rodarius Williams, etc. But right, but you know if they're hurt and they're out for extended, it doesn't time, count. <laughs> you need players. You can't rely on this. Yeah. Um, and I thought I think in general I think the things I'm finding out is that this defense is made to make linebackers look a little better than they are. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure yet, and I'm not even sure if that makes sense. I could be 100% wrong, but it just feels like there's no way that Tay Crowder, Micah McFadden, Darian Beavers, all these guys suddenly are, are like flashing into the backfield, making big hits or whatever. You know, It's like Tay Crowder was maybe the worst player on our defense last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the starting defense. And now he doesn't look half bad. He's making tackles at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, making big hits. Uh, he doesn't look like he's getting picked on anymore. Uh, I don't let's know. See, I think it's something, something about this. Game of course, of course. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm kind of just thoughts about the defense. It just seems to be that this is a defense that allows linebackers to just kind of do something instead of maybe, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. Just they're they're just more involved than they were in previous defenses. Totally agree. And again, you know, like I said before, you know, once Thibodeau's back in there, once Williams is playing, you know, once Aziz Alari is playing, all, all these guys who are our, you know, our defensive line who we want to have, the guys on paper who should be playing, it'll open up more opportunities for these guys as well. Absolutely. And Aziz, by the way, did look pretty darn good out there in his first showing. I um, mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that they kept Tibbs over the left tackle and Aziz over the right tackle. There was no movement there. I was wondering if Wink would start moving guys around. I mean, he still might. I was just, I was curious to see what he would do there, and he just left them. Yeah, I'm really interested. You know, we're not in the in the coaches' rooms or in the position rooms. Like, you know, is this part of a master plan for you know? Okay, game two, we're not. This is these are the formations. This is what we're doing. Game three, we're going to switch things up more and be. A little more, you know, exotic and a little more, uh, you know, surprising in, in our formations and things. So again, I'm not too, until we have, you know, the, the first game on, on Sunday, September 12th. I'm not overly concerned about stuff like that just yet. I got nothing else. Anything else you want to add? Um, hopefully, Grand Gano isn't out too long. That you know. Uh, other other than that, you know, it's going to get another kicker. You hate to waste roster spots for that. But I, I, if it's just a concussion, I mean, how long could he be out as a kicker? A couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Everybody heals with that stuff kind of differently. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So who knows? No, um, I think overall, though, um, I was pleased. I mean, I'm, I'm we're recording this on a Monday night, and I'm getting some texts from – Friends of mine that are Jet fans, like, what? what is this garbage? Like, this looks awful, blah, blah, blah. Like, I have no context. I don't know what they're talking about. But I never once turned to you yesterday and like, what is this garbage? I, I felt like, this, like I said at the beginning, this team looks a little more organized. And they looked a little more disciplined. And there weren't that many of those just unforced mistakes and brain farts and things. So, you know, you might be like, oh, who cares? Big deal. But compared to this team coming out of preseason last year or you know the year before with the covid year that's progress and that's part of how we're rebuilding this team so so far so good you know let's see what happens next week against the jets and more importantly what happens against carolina 
But um, I'm sorry, Tennessee, but so far so good. All right, the Giants have a week of practice. We'll have more information on injuries, etc., as the week goes on. Um, if there's anything earth-shattering that comes up, which I don't expect there to be, you can expect an episode from us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, etc., and of course on YouTube where you can view us as well as listen to us. Um, but otherwise, there is a game next Sunday against the Jets. It is an away game, so we don't have tickets, so we will just be watching, I guess. And there will be an episode on all of the aforementioned platforms of our show reacting to the, to the game. So yes, you can recouping. expect that much. I am finally having my uh, rotator cuff surgery this week. I will not be going to the game Sunday regardless. I'll be watching at home. Anything you're looking forward to in that game? Anything like, you know, it's, it's you know, we don't have four games anymore. We have threes or anything in particular you'll be keying on or just. Um, I, I mean, I got to see who's going to be playing in it. I got to see how Dable's going to approach it. Uh, I have no idea if starters are playing in any capacity. So, yeah, I am not really sure. I think I've seen enough from the defense, if I'm going to be completely honest. I think, I, I think I've seen enough from the starting defense that I – I know what I'm getting. If Wink wants to run out there for a series or something like that to just make sure, mm-hmm. whatever, I'm cool with them not really playing at all next week. The defense. Last thing, um, do you like the approach? You said we don't know what his approach will be for week three. Do you like the approach of this coaching staff for the two games we've had so far? I mean, I guess uh, he kind of had to work with the hand he was dealt with injuries both weeks, I think. Um, yeah. I think maybe. I'll have to see it year to year, but maybe Dable's, uh, I don't know. I, maybe I, they might be like over uh, being overly cautious with injuries in general this whole summer. Uh, I'm not really sure. I, you know I what I mean? Like it, it feels like everybody was on a pitch count and not everybody was really recovering from an AC. Like it almost felt like Blake Martinez is on the same pitch count as like Kadarius Tony and you know and Kenny Gall like why why are why are we doing this? Yeah, I feel like the guys that are injured are on the pitch count, but he's letting the guys like the Daniel Jones play. Yeah, I just mean the whole summer I feel like maybe yeah. the injuries have been a little overly cautious. So guys weren't even out there that mm-hmm. might have even been able to practice and stuff. I, you know, I have to see a little bit more year to year, but I, I guess so far I have no complaints. I mean, I, I didn't have yeah. any issue with the way he prepared or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I feel like this team is – they're trying to get that balance, which we had mentioned before the game started in these preseason games, of that balance between – uh, player evaluation versus getting the team ready for week one. And I feel like this team is already looking more prepared to start the season than at this point last year or the year before. So that's making me feel pretty good. Yep. Me too. Um, all right. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at football underscore grump at just giants pod and at the cranky fan. You can also follow the Cranky Fan on his FL Teams podcast for all things Tampa Bay Rays at this time and coming up soon, Florida Gators. Yes, yes. Our Anthony Richardson watch will be happening every week. So when we get into the draft next year and with the first pick, hopefully the New York football giants select Anthony Richardson from Florida. You heard it here first. Uh, the Cranky Fan wants a quarterback. Daniel Jones is out. No, uh, I want I'll, that I'll It's been planned all along. <laughs> Hashtag Giants. Um, All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time. Go Giants. Giants.